Hi everyone, you're welcome to yet another episode of Ugo's Take. And my name is Ugo Chuku Amadi, or Ugo Amadi, or you could just call me Ugo. Today's episode, this episode, is special, really, really special, for two main reasons. First off, this is the 20th episode, 20th episode. That's just mind-blowing. When I first started this epi- this um, podcast, and if you told me at some point you get to 20 episodes, I wouldn't have believed you. But I'm happy for all those who've supported, who've been listening to the show, who follow on Spotify, who follow on Twitter, who follow on Instagram, and just give me general support. So I thank you all. I also thank Cicely, Cicely as well, who have sponsored a couple of shows as well so if you would like to sponsor a show on this podcast just send me an email to ugo's take at coolsite.net and um, also if you would like some shout out better shout out for your loved ones your friends um you do that but the most important thing is the best favor you can do for me is follow this podcast either on spotify or follow on instagram or follow on twitter and just make sure you listen you could download you could follow so you don't miss any episode at all and now i say it's special yes it's special this is the first in the series of what i call my great nigerian my great nigerian uk story you know it's a time where people especially people resident in the UK who come on on the show and just share generally what the experiences have been in the UK, whether they were born here and lived their lives all true in the UK or probably um, living in Nigeria and moved over to the UK and have made lives here for themselves in the UK. Just tell people what the experiences have been, the joys, the sadness, the highs and the lows, and even the funny moments. And hopefully it would inspire someone, it would entertain someone, and it would make someone very happy. Um, so, before getting into other people's lives or getting into other people's heads, getting them to speak about their experiences, I've decided that the first sit in the series would be my story. Not my entire story, but my story now so let's go straight into it right now first off uh, I was born in the UK you know so I was born in Exeter Uh, my mom should come to study in the UK do postgraduate studies in the UK so I was born in the UK and stayed in the UK for a little for a little bit and then went back to Nigeria with my mom because she was, had gone back to study so I, I lived most of my adult life in the in Nigeria and as when I say most of my life in Nigeria I mean from nursery to primary to secondary to um, undergrad and then I came to the UK for my postgraduate studies and I've been here ever since so, and I've been here for the better part of a decade. The better part of a decade I've been in the UK. So, um, how have my experience been? 
okay, so the first time I was in the UK, please, I, I know you forgive me that I don't really know what to say about that because, yeah, I wasn't key, I wasn't couples mentors enough to um, have any experience that I could tell. Maybe I probably was <laughs> just from the stories my mom had told me. Um, but I'd rather stick to stories that I can give first-hand accounts about. And that would be the second part of my UK story, so to speak. Because uh, I came back to the UK for postgraduate studies. I lived in a student flat. You know, okay, let's before we even go that far, let's you know, let's take some steps backwards. So I booked a flight from uh, from. I live in Port Harcourt, so I booked a flight that would be leaving from Lagos. I was an 11.45 flight, I think. So I got on the flight, and then it stopped over at Amsterdam. <laughs> no, one funny thing happened in the, in the flight, and I know for those of us that fly regularly, uh, <laughs> happened in the flight, and that's how you know, you know a flight that has lots of Nigerians on it. Um, so at one point, I think the um, pilot had said, um, we're approaching the uh, Shifo Amsterdam airport and yada yada yada. So, next thing we know, knew the plane just drops <laughs> and everyone just shouted, Jesus, like, yeah, yeah, that's how you know you have lots of Nigerians on a plane, you know. But thankfully, the plane landed safely. And then afterwards, stopped over at, um, then we went to the Leeds Bradford Airport and then came over to Leeds, completed my masters. And then afterwards, I left the UK for, after my masters, I left the UK and went back to Nigeria. But now let's see what happened while I was doing my masters in the UK, while I was doing my postgraduate studies in the UK. One of the first challenges I had was you know where would I get Nigerian food where would I get Nigerian food because I'm used to pounded yam on a good day or at least you know Gary if you're not from <laughs> if you're not from um, Nigeria or you're not from West Africa or don't know what Gary is Gary is um, it's especially made from cassava it's processed and it's made from cassava and then it's made into grains that you um, usually boil you boil it like kettle of water or have the water boil on the jug and you use the hot water and you um, prepare the gari and you make it into sort of like a dough and then with this dough you can eat all sorts of sauces especially for and those of us who are Nigerian or have Nigerian parents or of Nigerian descent is to eat what we call it could either be your okra soup or your igusi soup or your hard soup for those of us of uh, Igbo descent in Nigeria you know you know oha soup that wonderful leaf so um, that was one of the, the, the issues I had when I came to the, <laughs> the UK outlet man where are you gonna get 
Bulgarian soup to eat. Where are you going to get your Nigerian food to eat? So, one of the things I was thinking about, like, okay, how would I eat? And then I made one of the greatest errors you ever make when you come to the UK. I opted for ordering food, and it wasn't actually Nigerian food anyway. So I ordered. Um, I went into ordering your fast food, your pizzas, your uh, chicken cheeseburgers, kebabs, and man, that tore a hole in my pocket. <laughs> it's all a hole in my pocket really so um, if you just come to the UK or go planning on coming to the UK maybe right mm-hmm. now as you're mm-hmm. listening um, to this podcast you uh, filling your visa application or you're uh, buying your ticket and stuff if you're coming to stay for maybe a day or two fine well you can survive on ordering, ordering food in, and that's cool but if you if you want to leave or intend to live in the UK for one year at least two three years or you want to actually make a life in the UK then brother sister you must um, endeavor to find places where you can buy Nigerian food and for me um, there was this Afro Asian shop I was very close to where I used to live then. Um, I was able to get some Nigerian food stuff like your fresh peppers, your chilies, gopando, which is which is essentially a substitute for pounded jam, and it works well uh, for what it is. And I could get my okra as well. I could get ikusi as well. So I ended up cooking for myself. So that was fine. But maybe you come in with a family me coming to the UK with a family so what you do is there's a cupcake market that's if you're coming to uh, Leeds for instance if you're coming to live in Leeds there's a cupcake market if you're moving to London wow that's even easier because um, I think the the markets in, in the market in London you find everything you need to make your Nigerian delicacies whether it's your okra soup or your goosey soup or your jollof fries so you know your beans porridge whatever you want you would find in london really so then the next problem i had was hmm i am a black man obviously um, and my hair is kind of different so how would i be able to find someone or a place where i could get my hair cut and then I had a friend, I think his name was um, Shola. Uh, I'm getting it right. Yeah. yeah, I had a friend and he, Habib, yeah, Habib, pardon me, pardon me, my brother, I forgot. Just almost mixed up the name, Habib, yeah, Habib, my friend. So, um, and he was already in the UK before I moved over to the UK. So, um, he told me about this. A hair salon and I asked him who's who cuts the hair there he says oh it's a white guy he's a nice guy Michael I was like uh, are you sure you'll be able to cut the hair that's just why you don't judge a book by its cover you don't just make you don't just be stereotypical you actually experience something before you can say yay or nay so I said can you really cut 
African hair, Nigerian hair. Well, like, yeah, he actually got the hair very well. So I went, I went with him to the barber shop, and uh, the guy was really good, got the hair really well. And f- till this day, he is my main barber because he's mm-hmm. excellent. The way he shaves, the way he cuts the hair, you know, the way he cuts the hair, you know, the treatment he gives, the lining he gives to the hair, excellent, excellent, excellent. You know, so so that's why I say don't judge a book by its cover. Don't just feel oh, that's why being stereotypical is very wrong, and that's a lesson I learned then, and I've learned it almost ten, almost ten years ago now. Um, so there's something I want you to take from the story. One of the things I want you to take from the story I'm telling at this point is don't just judge a book by its cover. So, and he's been my brother ever since. So you could see get a situation where a black guy could cut a white guy's hair very well. Same thing, white guy cut a black guy's hair very well, and that's cool. So. Um, there's something that happened because then I come from my masters. Something that happened and that it was really, really, it was hilarious. It was really funny, and I learned the hard way, you know. So when I, I was preparing to leave for classes, um, and then the weather was warm and bright. I was like, wow, for the first time since I've been in the UK. The weather's bright. No, come on. I'm not wearing any windsuit. I'm not wearing any heavy jacket. I'm not wearing any hoodie. I'll just wear uh, my t-shirt, my trousers, and then probably some sneakers and head over to the lecture hall. And when the classes are done, I'll walk back home again. But you can guess what happened. Just as the classes ended, just as the classes ended, I looked outside. It was about 4.30 or 4, 4.30 about, and it, the sky was dark. And to make matters worse, some flakes of snow dropping it started dropping flakes of snow <laughs> and you you don't need to guess there's no gain saying that when I came out I was feeling really 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 cold so from that day onwards no matter how bright the weather is no matter how beautiful the weather looks I always go out with a jacket so if you're coming to the UK don't ever Think you go out without your jacket. I'm always out with a jacket. So that was my experience on on the day, you know. And then that was the issue of how do I move around in the UK? You know, that's something that um, that's a good experience I had because I know in Nigeria transport transportation system is bad. Isn't isn't great. You've got, although you have your taxes, your bosses, but it's not quite as organized. You know, it's not quite as organized. So, but in the UK, that was one good thing I could say. At a point, so 
you could book your taxis um, that was before Uber came, came on, before Uber became a thing, you could actually pick up your phone, call a taxi to take you around the buses, you could either get your day rider or you could get your uh, day, day pass or you get your metro card that could see you move for a month and then you renew it. So that's it. So and then again thinking about how do I go to church or don't I go to church hmm. and then I discovered that you had your Winners Chapel in the UK you had your Resume Christian Church in the UK as well so I could actually go to church you know and that was a, a really that was a really good experience so that helped me kind of settle down in the UK having things around around you but there's something that happened that showed that sometimes in the UK I don't know what is being taught to be fair I don't know what is being taught at the elementary school level or something because it's like certain topics are being ignored you know because um, someone asked me like one of my lecturers uh, when I was in my masters not just me but she asked um, she asked everyone else that was in the class because we were some Nigerians in the class as well so she asked the Nigerians in the class if we spoke wait for it Nigerian like really? Nigerian? come on if you're British and you grew up in Britain or you grew up in England or Scotland you know and you were taught British history at least the very least you should know that countries like Nigeria countries like Ghana countries like um, um, some parts of Cameroon was act- were actually colonies of the UK and then you know that colonies of the UK speak English they have English as the official language so you don't go asking if they speak Nigerian or if they speak Ghanaian. So that and that's just on the surface because there's something deeper. You have the more deeper arguments like um, you have other tribes in Nigeria, multiple tribes. But it's fair enough because not everyone travels to Nigeria and not everyone should travel to Nigeria. You know, it's not a must that you must travel to Nigeria, you must travel to Ghana or you must travel to Sierra Leone. But the basic thing, which is we speak English in Nigeria. We speak English. English is spoken in Ghana, spoken as well in Ghana as the official language, as a lingua franca in Ghana, in Nigeria. And you should, this should be taught at the earliest, you know, at the, a very rudimentary stage, elementary stage. You know, it shouldn't be something that um, someone who's gone to a primary school, gone to secondary school, gone to um, university and now is working doesn't know that Nigeria Nigerians speak English as the lingua franca as the official language of the country hmm? you know so that's that now what what next what, what happened next you'd say what are the other experiences I've had in the UK now um 
I discovered goals, not goals, power league. Yeah, I discovered power league. Power league was a place where I met a lot of Nigerians and also some international um, students as well. We were British, we were from other countries as well. So it was a place where we came together and played football. It was a really fun time because you could see all the guys that would dress up, you know, that would dress up to the T looking like they were Neymar or <laughs> looking like they were um, Cristiano Ronaldo with their um, horse or socks drawn up to their knees, wearing flashy boots. And then when it came time to play, you couldn't see those skills. You, you know, sometimes we just, just come on, you, you, you've dressed so much to look like some superstar striker, some superstar f- footballer. Come on, show this on the pitch. You know, show this on the pitch. You know, but saying what I'm saying, don't get me wrong. I wasn't like a superstar on the on the pitch. Do I give my all each time I stepped onto play? But sometimes. You know, you you see some little tiny guy who just dribble past, <laughs> not Meg. You know, there was once I, you know, I was playing, I was playing as a defense, I was playing as a defender, and then there was this guy that was coming up to attack and score against our team, and I just rushed, and <laughs> I knew it not Meg me, and then I just fell past it and crashed into uh, one of the side hollings in the in the uh, playing arena so and everyone were laughing and I wasn't best pleased at all I was I was kind of upset upset really really upset not upset to the point where I'm fighting anyone or 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 shouting at anyone but I was really upset because I took the game really seriously and obviously like everyone else I don't like getting nutmegged and I don't get like getting dribbled but that's it. It happens in football. It happens, you know, in life. It happens um, as shortly when you're having a good time with your mates, with your friends, on a local playing pitch. Now that being said, there's one one thing that I want us to learn, especially those of us who may be of Nigerian descent. And I don't know if any Nigerian politician may be listening <laughs> to this podcast. Well, I dare to think that some Nigerian um, politician would be listening to this podcast. But in Nigeria, we have lots of people with different skills, different ab- abilities, and especially in football, sports in general. But football, particularly, you have people with the natural skill, natural ability, but they don't have or they don't have the access to facilities where they can showcase their skills where they can showcase their abilities you know even if it's just for um some workout or just to sweat out or actually to show their skills and get scouted you know so there's something that should be done in nigeria other parts of africa as well you know we have the raw skills the raw ability but we don't have places where people can actually go and show the skills. People play on concrete concrete floors, you know, people play on rough edges with sometimes you have spikes, sometimes you have um, very hard and sharp 
sharp nosed pebbles on the floor you know so governors commissioners mr president whoever come on let's create a place where people could play sometimes you could even decide to have a tax rebate you know for companies like maybe shell for companies like miss lomberger you know she does berger other companies tax rebate and say okay if you can run if you can establish and run a sports complex for young people you can get five percent of your tax of your profit tax you know so the things that we could do because nigerians that came on here the other nigerians that were there the other people from africa because we had guys from egypt we had guys from uh, malawi we had guys from zimbabwe as well it was a wonderful time you know people really enjoyed the time so but what happens is that for those who just came in who just came to the uk to do their masters after their masters they've gone back to to maybe nigeria and then those facilities aren't available and it's really sad and it doesn't take that much you know we're not talking about uh, uh, pitches flying in the sky we're talking about normal pitches it's just being organized you know just being organized and having things in place you know having things in place let's go on to my next experience into the uk wow the nigerian community leads now that has been a very helpful avenue for me you know because i got to meet more nigerians who could speak pidgin you know that's the broken english that was that, that spoken in nigeria unofficially you know got people to speak pidgin with you know got to socialize involve get involved in sports get involved in community service and then for uh some very first job some jobs i had to do i gained some working experience while volunteering for the nigerian community leads so that's one thing again that if you come into the uk don't leave in isolation don't just stay don't just decide to stay on your own and decide not to be involved with anyone because it's really helpful because you may need to apply for a job and someone there could give you a good reference you know so very helpful and then you have that communal communal spirit where you meet people from different parts of nigeria that you can speak with your your uh, particular dialect or you can speak pidgin with you know because it gives you that sense of home that sense you know that feeling that um yeah you are though in the uk but you can also feel like you're home because you're with people that know where you're coming from that have a feeling of what you are and and who you are so that's good and then there's something that's happened recently you know when it came to the uh, it recently this happened i know we've jumped <laughs> just we've jumped years right now what i'm about to say um 
I went I just went to the hospital I wasn't planning on anything yet I wasn't planning on any sort of surgery I was just I just felt some discomfort in my tummy and so I said okay yeah just go to the hospital and then um, see what's going on and then I went there and what happened I went to the hospital and the nurse checked and said oh you have to do your appendix surgery then, huh appendix and surgery how am I going to do that <laughs> you know how am I going to do that well, how, why, why am I having to do that but I ended up staying in the hospital at first when I went to the first hospital uh, the doctor checked and said okay you need to do your appendix no he didn't say I needed to do the appendix but he said he thinks uh, probably the issue would be with my appendix that I should go to another hospital so he recommended me to uh, he referred me rather to the St. James uh, Hospital in Leeds so I went there checked and said oh uh, you have to wait waited for hours now I will tell you there are many good things in the UK but the hours I've had to wait I had to wait wow the hours I had to wait were really really annoying because it almost felt like this is what we complain about <laughs> in Nigeria yeah you know this is what I complain about in Nigeria just take time it shouldn't take time but fair dues to the guys and at um, St. James Hospital you know, um, you know, there's this COVID-19 making the rounds, and so maybe you don't have as much uh, staff in place as you would on uh, a normal day. Maybe that was part of what um, contributed to the delay at the hospital. So I ended up staying there way, way too long. You know, but you see me complaining. But the important thing was that. He got figured out and I got treated. The surgery was done. I didn't pay a dime. You know, I didn't pay a dime. It was done swiftly. I was safe. That was completed. And in less than two or three days, I was good to go home and I went home. So, <laughs> that's efficiency. You know that's efficiency so that's something that we should learn as well as Nigerians and you know what really upsets me is that you have Nigerian politicians leaders that come to the UK to do med- for their medical checkup to get treated in the UK to have these experiences and then they go back to Nigeria and then do whatever they like you know because not everyone in Nigeria is fortunate enough or is wealthy enough to afford a trip to, to the UK just for medical checkups or, or just for treatments and then these politicians go back to Nigeria and what do they do? Nothing. N- they change nothing. So if you're listening to this, <laughs> if you do, you're a Nigerian politician, you're in a position to effect change. You may not necessarily be a politician, 
you may not necessarily be in a government, but if you were in an office where you can affect change, this story I'm telling today should prick your mind, should bog your mind up to the point where you decide that, okay, I'm going to make a change in my office. I'm going to take steps to ensure that things are done efficiently. You know, you know, because I went to the hospital, I didn't have to wait for cards, which was which was something I experienced um, in Nigeria. And I'm sure lots of us would have experienced as well. You go to the hospital, you wait for cards, and then you could spend the whole day waiting. And what you could hear is the doctors left. Well, but I've been here like eight hours, and the doctors left. No. That didn't happen here at all. Though I waited for a long time, like I said earlier, I waited for a long, long time, and I really got tired and pissed and angry. But, but, at, there was no point where the doctor, there was no point where there was a possibility of not meeting a doctor. So, I met, in fact, I met three, four doctors on the day. I met one doctor at the first hospital I went to. And then at the second hospital, I met a second doctor who then, I think she was a junior doctor. So she she said that she went and then and now met another junior doctor. And then I met the um, registrar, which is like a consultant. In a hospital cell in all until that's four so met four doctors on the day so that was my experience on the day so everything worked out pretty fine so though this is not one full chronological story because i chopped some part of it up and then initial part time when i first came to the uk as a grown person and something more recent so i'll be coming up with more of such stories so that we get inspired we laugh about it for those that listen to the podcast and laugh about it and we generally have a good time but as well if you live in the uk and you want to get your stories aired out on my podcast send me an email to ugostake at coolsite.net that is U-G-O-S hyphen T-A-K-E at C-O-O-L S-I-T-E dot N-E-T coolsite.net and if you want to listen to the podcast you go on Spotify and you listen to the podcast on there also you could also um, go to my Facebook page which is Ugo's Sake um working on getting youtube set up so you could participate live you could see me live and then you could also call as well give me a phone number also um i've got a whatsapp page where i have links to the podcast put up put on as well so you could follow on twitter it's stake ugo at stake ugo that s-c-a-k-e u-g-o that's one you could also follow on Instagram, it's Ugos, U-G-O-S, 
underscore t-a-k-e on instagram so this has been my story not entirely my story but it's been part of my great nigerian uk story so if you enjoyed if you have comments if you have other questions to ask you could send me an email on facebook on twitter and i sure will i sure will get back to you also if you want to participate want to get your stories your stories out your experience out that you've um, had your experience you've had in the uk you want to get people to listen to to share from your experience to hear your story to enjoy your story send me an email and i will surely get back to you and we'll get around to getting it on the show so thank you all for listening my name is ugo amadi signing out on this 20th episode of ugo steak enjoy <laughs>